0: I'm excited about opening up God's Word with you this morning, so go ahead and grab your Bibles or devices and turn to the book of Luke. Luke is in the New Testament. It's going to be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and we're going to be in chapter 1 starting with verse 67. We are continuing our Christmas series called The Christmas Connection uh, where our whole intent and purpose of this series is to help us recognize our connection to God through praising Him. And so we're going to look at, be looking at several series and passages throughout on the series uh, that show people who are praising God for who He is and the work that He's doing in and through His people. So I'm excited to to continue on off Pastor Chad's sermon last week where he, he kicked off the series talking about Zachariah and his interaction with the angel Gabriel. See, Zechariah, just as a recap, Zechariah was in the temple and he went in there expecting to be completely alone. He comes face to face with an angel and being terrified, he goes, he humbles and the angel says, don't be afraid. He's got good news to share with you. You're you're about to be a father. And in a moment of weakness, Zechariah says, how is this going to happen? My wife, Elizabeth, and I are both advanced in years. And even though for faithfully praying for a child for many years, he begins to question this moment. And with that, the angel says, Because of your lack of faith, I am going to silence you. And so for the next several months, the nine months to be exact, Zachariah is mute and deaf. Can't, he's in complete silence, can't make a sound and can't hear a sound. And nine months, he's, he has to be reminded of his lack of faith that he had in that moment that led to that result. So fast forward to nine months. It has come to the day that his son is born just like the angel said would happen. And as tradition would have, they they would bring the child up. And then eight days later, they would bring him here to circumcise him and to give him a name. Now, the tradition was that the name of the son would be after the father. So naturally, the son's name would have been Zachariah. But the angel was very clear that you were to name this son John. And so Elizabeth said, no, his name is to be John. And people begin to challenge and question her about not following the tradition of after naming their child after his father. So let's stop. and Let's just talk about traditions for a moment, because let's be honest. This is the season of traditions. Uh, I love Christmas. I love the holidays at the Hogue House. Uh, the day after Thanksgiving, we just let Christmas explode all over. We get all our decorations out. We put the lights on the house and everything there so it is an exciting time uh, for traditions and many people have traditions of singing christmas songs decorating the house watching those old nostalgic uh, christmas movies like die hard uh, eating good food and desserts and going to see santa and buying gifts and exchanging gifts with others and our loved ones and our friends Uh, but there's also some traditions that we don't like to talk about so much Uh, like for me it's the the was the yearly fight with dad day when we put lights on the tree Um, perfecting what that I really liked it face when you receive socks for the gazillionth time on Christmas or the question of what's my crazy aunt going to do this year um, as she comes over for dinner Or probably my favorite that takes place is that uh, try not to kill your child who just broke the toy that you spent all night building. Uh, And so we have some of these traditions that seem to take place over and over again that we don't like. We don't like the experience, the stress, the angst, the the frustrations, that sometimes the holidays that we get our priorities out of whack. We get confused and then we get unbalanced of where our priorities, where our passion and our hearts should be. You know, we get distracted really what the purpose of the holiday is. You and I would both agree that the, the reason for the season is to celebrate the birth of Jesus, to be reminded that God came and left His heavenly throne to take, become a man and to dwell among us. And we could get easily distracted just by the stress of life, the stress of the extra hustle and bustle of the holidays, that we begin to lose focus on what's really going on. And our hearts and our attitudes um, sometimes don't match that statement that we truly understand what the reason is for this season because our hearts and actions are completely opposite of that. See, Zechariah, in his moment of lack of faith, uh, he, he had a moment there where his heart and his action didn't line up for what he was. He really knew that God could answer his prayers. He, he's in the temple, the Holy of Holies, there lighting the incense and experiencing this, a uh, time to worship God. And in that moment, he questioned God's faith. But it says that when they were going to name his son and they were, the people were challenging Elizabeth on what his name should be, that they, they signed to Zechariah, what should we name your son? And he takes his, his little tablet and he writes out down there that his name is to be John. And in that moment, Zechariah's voice returns. He's able to hear again And he is filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's where our passage picks up this morning. So read along with me, starting in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 67. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord and prepare His ways to give knowledge of salvation to His people and the forgiveness of their sins, because the tender and mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace." See, in this moment, Zechariah would have naturally been ecstatic to be able to to speak, to be able to celebrate with his life and his friends, his loved ones there, that he just had a son. That even in being advanced in years, God blessed him with a beautiful baby boy. But instead, Zechariah rightly places his priorities. He recognizes that he needs to first honor god and and, and celebrate the blessings so being filled with the holy spirit he begins to speak out praises to who god is and what god has done in and through his people i love this passage for for many reasons but one thing i love is that it shows the historical lineage of god working through the people pointing to the need of a savior See, in this, uh, Zechariah being a a priest, understanding the, the Old Testament, understanding that the entire Old Testament points to our need of a Messiah, to our need for a Savior. That there's one day Jesus was going to be born to come save the people. He reminds the people and reminds us in this moment of the covenants that God made with his people see though there's three covenants that we find in the scripture and verses 68 through 71 speak of the davidic covenant see this covenant is that god made to david speaking through the prophet nathan and says to him that a descendant of david was going to reign on the throne of god over all people that david's lineage his heritage would rule over and always be on the throne see most people thought this was going to be a political ruler, that someone who was going to come and rule over Israel again. Little did they know that this was going to be Jesus, our God, to come and to reign on there, be, be born in the lineage of David. And we see this reference throughout the Old Testament, but it's most clearly seen in 1 Chronicles 17, 11 through 14. So let me read it for us. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. And I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I will make my steadfast love for him as I took it from him who was before you. And I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forever." One thing I love about the Davidic Covenant is that it is completely unconditional. See, God doesn't place any conditions of obedience on David or on the people of Israel, but it is completely dependent upon God Himself. God says that it is going to be me who fulfills this, not anybody else. It's not going to be dependent upon your obedience to me, your faithfulness in me, but because I said that I'm going to do this, this shall be done. It doesn't rely on anyone except for God and the surety of this promise is made solely on God's faithfulness to us and to his people and does not depend on any of David or any of Israel's obedience for that matter it's just a covenant that rests solely on God's faithfulness and what reminds us that just as God was going to allow us to solely rest on his faithfulness for the davidic covenant that our salvation that we could experience through him also rests on him as well See, read, listen along as I read Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works so no one may boast. Did you catch that? It is a gift of, from God. See, I, one thing I love about the holidays is that you can give gifts to people. And there's nothing that we did to earn or deserve these gifts. Simply, it's an act of love that someone would give us a gift, or give, you give a gift to someone else in this moment, in this season of Christmas. And just like our salvation, our salvation is a gift from God. It is nothing that we did, anything to deserve it. Our good will never be good enough to earn our own salvation, but it is simply a gift of grace, a gift of God's love to us that offers us salvation. See, the only thing that you and I bring to the table of salvation is our sin. It's our selfishness, it's our pride, it's our lies, our disobedience, you name it. The only thing that we deserve as a result of our lifestyles of rebellion against God is death. And then even on our best days of trying to get on Santa's nice list, our good isn't good enough to earn salvation. But God, by His grace, mercy and love for us, sent his son Jesus to live the perfect and sinless life, took the consequences of sin upon himself through sacrificing himself on the cross for us, and then three days later, raising from the grave to conquer sin and death altogether. That is the beauty of salvation. That is what we can when we place our faith and our trust in Jesus, recognizing Him as our Lord and our Savior, we become redeemed. We get to have that relationship with a holy God in spite of our sin because God no longer sees our sin, but He sees the righteousness, the sacrifice of Christ laid upon us. And again, we're able to have a relationship with a holy God. This is the greatest gift that we could have to be free from the bondage of our sins. Which leads us to zechariah's reference to the second covenant in our passage the the abrahamic uh, covenant which is in verses 72 and 75 so read along with me again verse 72 to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath that he swore to our father abraham to grant to us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. See, the Abraham, Abrahamic covenant is a promise that God made with Abram who would become Abraham. See, Abraham would become a father of a great nation. And when God is telling him this promise, he's making this covenant with him, Abraham would have no child, children at all. See his son Isaac had not yet been born, and so he. But God takes him out into the desert and tells him to look up into the sky. And for those of you who have ever been out into the desert, or out in the wilderness, and you look at the sky, you can see all the millions of stars out there. And God told Abram, look up, look at the stars and count them, because your offspring will be as many as the multitude of stars up in the sky. And see. Abram, by faith, trusted God, trusted that that was going to take place. Um, and he did become a father of a great nation, the nation of Israel. That's is why, as children, I mean you, learn the song, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. That's the song that we learn because of this covenant that God makes with him. But also part of that covenant was that he was going to give him a land, the land that he was on there. And we see this take place as Joshua would lead lead the Israelites into the Promised Land, and they'd find victory there, but he also said that God would offer him protection and he would guide and lead and protect his people. And for all believers who are actively pursuing and following God and experiencing the blessings of deliverance from our sins and mercy, we experience that. We experience the goodness of our salvation. That's why King David was able to say with confidence in Psalm 23 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, let's be honest. David did not have a perfect and easy life. Uh, it, it was a mess. If anything, he, he had many family issues. He was sought after to be killed by the former king. Um, he lost his best friend in battle. He experienced the death of a child. He fought wars with his own children and many more things. And throughout the Psalms, we see the transparency of David's emotions. We see the ups and the downs. Yet, in spite of all the troubles and difficulties and the hardships he placed, we see, see over and over again in the Psalms his praise and comfort in the Lord. And he is described as a man after God's own heart. God is calling him and leading him in that. Now I want to take a moment, I want us to look back actually at verses 74 and 75. So read it along with me. That we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. See, did you catch that? That we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him, serve God without fear and in holiness and in righteousness before him all of our days. See, what would look different in mind in your life if this passage was true about us? If we served without fear, without the fear of judgment or ridicule, without the need for recognition to, to get the good jobs or the, the attaboys, without the, the fear of being judged or, or criticized by people around us, being canceled by the culture. What if we were known by our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, and even strangers as one who passionately loved Jesus and loved others just like Jesus? That our words and our actions, and the legacy that we would leave behind, was known as fr- by our pursuit of holiness and righteousness that the entirety of our lives to our very last breath on this earth could be described in this manner. Do you know how good this would be? How good we would be able to experience that we wouldn't be put off by the frustrations of life, the, even the frustrations of the traditions that we don't like during this time of year. We wouldn't be put off by the hardships of our daily lives, the, the hard times at home, Or at work, um, the frustration with gas prices and inflation of food, the stress, the letdowns, or even the disappointments. No, we would be defined by our relationship and our eyes being fixed on Jesus. That with our eyes being fixed solely on Him, nothing could bring us down. And that we ultimately would embody the words that John the Baptist would say, this, this baby boy that Zachariah is holding and prophesying over, that one day would, would come out and say, speaking of Jesus, that he must increase and I must decrease. The man who soul life embodied those passages, 74 and 75, that he lived without fear and pursued holiness and righteousness all of his days until his death. Yet he still said that God needs to increase in my life and I need to decrease. What would our lives look like if we pursued Jesus in that way? What would look different? How would our families be changed in this manner? How would our neighborhoods be changed, our workplaces, our communities, our church? What would look different if we pursued God without any wavering, that we fully pursued Him with everything we got all the days of our lives? What a lifestyle that would be. What a, how good that would be for you and I. And as I mentioned, this baby boy, John the Baptist, would be true and come true of his life. And, and Zechariah begins to prophesy, continues to pro- prophesy over these words of his baby boy and what these, his life would look like. So look back with me in verse 76. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord and prepare His ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. See, John's life, the entire purpose and intentionality of his life was to prepare the way for Jesus' ministry. This is the third covenant that we see, the ushering in of the New Testament, the new covenant that God is bringing into his people. And it is summed up in John three sixteen: For God so loved the world. See, he loved you and I so much that he wanted to send his son into the world in spite of our bad choices inside of us rebelling against him any decisions or choices we made against god in spite of all that he loved us god himself is love and he can't help but love us for god so loved the world he gave his son to live the perfect and sinless life that though deserving doing nothing to deserve it took the sins of the world upon himself, upon his shoulders, and sacrificed himself on the cross, died, and then three days later rose from the grave, conquering sin and death and offering us salvation. That whoever believes in him... See, when we confess our sins and we place our faith and our trust in Jesus, we believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life we are no longer condemned by the sins and by the weight of this world we're no longer held back by our own abilities or inabilities to be able to pursue salvation and pursue righteousness but we get to experience freedom and hope of salvation for the very first time by placing our faith and trust in him brothers and sisters in christ let me speak to you and encourage you for a moment let me encourage you to rejoice in your salvation. Let me encourage you to remind yourselves often of the gospel. See, when we became saved, it's not just a one-time thing that we need to be reminded of what we are saved from, but no, we daily, moment by moment, need to be reminded of the goodness of God's love for us and what He has called us to. Remind yourselves of the fact that you've been set free to to live in joy, not no longer to have to be given to the pressures and frustrations of this world and and no longer give in to sin that it leaves us empty. But we get to pursue Jesus together. God has given us such great joy, so many great blessings, and we need to remind ourselves of this often. But God has also given you so many opportunities to be able to share His love and His hope with others, to be able to serve Him without fear. So I'm going to encourage you and challenge you Take the opportunities that God is giving you to be able to share His love with others. go out to help, go out and find ways to love on others the way that Jesus did this season. What a great opportunity we have During the Christmas holidays, people are wanting to experience joy together, and what greater joy can you give them by sharing the gospel with them and helping their lives, their eternities be changed forever? And for those of you are listening who don't have a relationship with Jesus. I just want to speak to you for a moment. What is holding you back? See, God is offering you the greatest gift you can ever receive. I don't care if you're getting the newest gaming system, the biggest TV, the shoes or purse that you want, whatever it may be that you are wanting for Christmas gift, the greatest gift that you can experience this year, today, in this moment, is experience salvation to experience freedom and redemption from your sins. See, God loves you, and God desperately desires to have a relationship with you. He wants you to no longer try to earn your salvation. He says, child, I love you enough to have paid the way for you. And all you have to do is place your faith and trust in Him, recognizing Jesus as the Lord and Savior of lives, accepting His gift, and his sacrifice on the cross for on your behalf. There is no greater thing that you can make in this moment now. So, if that is you today, I strongly want you to encourage you to reach out to a family or friends, whoever led you to this, watch this video with us today, um, or to reach us out to us here at the church. Our contact information can be found below, but we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, to f- begin a relationship with Jesus. So, don't hold back there is no greater gift that you can receive this year than the experience, the gift, and the joy of salvation. God loves you. God desires to have a relationship with all of you. Grow in Him. Praise Him for the blessings that He has in our life. Praise God for who He is and what He continues to do in and through each one of us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You, Lord. Father, we thank you so much for the joys of our salvation that we can truly experience life-changing hope in you. Father, I thank you so much for what you saved me from. Father, we're in the pursuit of my own life of trying to find happiness and joy in my own strength, Father, yet finding myself empty. And so, Father, I thank you that I can find my identity in you. Father, I can find my joy, my strength um, in you, Father. So allow me to fix my eyes on you throughout this holiday season, Father. Allow me to be able to grow and close, Father, in you, Father. I pray for the people the same for everyone who is watching today that we will pursue you with all that we've got, Father. Allow our eyes to be fixed solely on Jesus, to serve him without fear, and to passionately lead others to this life-changing hope of Jesus. And Father, I pray for those who are watching today, Father, that who don't have a relationship with you, Father, that you would grip their hearts, Father, that you allow them to feel the conviction, to know in their heart of hearts that they need to have a relationship with you. So, Father, I pray that you give them the courage, the strength to reach out today, Father, to begin having a relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for all the work that you're doing. We ask this in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen.